This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 80. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your co-host, Brett Hurst. And I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. That's right. So <laughs> here we are, and we're both- You can mar- be the host if you want to. Well, thank you for that permission. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you host it, and I'll be your co-host. <laughs> At any rate, we're marriage educators. We're co-founders of Home Encouragement, and this podcast is designed as it has always been to help you take your marriage to the next level. That is our aspiration. Woohoo! I can't believe we're, we're on our 80th episode. 80 episodes. We need to get back on it's it. It's only taken us, what, like five years to, yeah. <laughs> to get to 80 episodes. Well, we're, we're back in the groove here. we got <laughs> new equipment and we're ready to roll. <laughs> well, um, so today, before we jump into what our topic is, I just want to recommend an, old marriage, an older Marriage to the Max episode. It's episode number 19, which is called Your Communication IQ. And um, I think it's got a lot of good little tidbits that will really complement today's episode. So well, just I can't wait put to that out it. there. So today's episode is called Hard Conversations. Mm. Yes. This is something, Brett, that you and I have been talking about for a while. We've been talking about doing an episode on this because we hear from couples a lot who tell us, you know, when we have to have a hard conversation or a sticky conversation, what are ways we can do that better? Mm-hmm. Like, just what what are some skill sets that we can learn? People want tools so that they don't get mired in frustration. Mm-hmm. and Because hard conversations are hard. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> they're hard to have. <laughs> and they're frequent. I know. They happen all the time. There's so many conversations in life that we'd rather not have. I know. The conversation about the credit card, the mm. conversation about the in-laws, mm. the conversation about not having enough sex. Mm. <laughs> Don't overly groan on that one. Um, you know, groaning? we every couple has a degree of conflict. It can be stressful. It can be difficult. But I think when we don't do the hard conversations well. And if we don't practice hard conversations, we don't get good at having hard conversations. That's right. And it's like anything else, you can learn how to do it better. Mm-hmm. It's I, we're, we, we cannot say this enough that more and more stuff that we read in the marriage education world shows that all, almost all these skills are just learned things. Mm-hmm. We can just do them better. Just like we learn how to do so many other things in our lives yep, better. That we, is true. I think sometimes we think that relationships are, oh, you're just born good at relationships. Well, no, you can actually learn to do them better. Mm-hmm. Good. So the first thing we want to t- say before we actually jump into like the best practices is don't avoid the hard conversations. Kind of hard to have a hard conversation if you're not in the conversation. Yeah, but I think more people than not would admit that it's just easier not to have it, easier to act like it's not happening, whatever the topic is. Um, But you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Exactly. I, I really and truly think there are people who think, I would prefer to avoid this conversation and see if the thing just fixes itself. Mm-hmm. And you and I know it rarely fixes itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe maybe once in a while there is something that just kind of works its way out. But I think more times than not, you do have to talk about it. You do have to have the conversation. And and when you stay away from it completely, I think you just 
have more things that you've got to tackle later on. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So before we jump in, I think the one of the great questions you can ask yourself before you walk into a hard conversation, and this can apply to ever outside of marriage too, because we have to have hard conversations with lots of people. Lots of our kids, our parents, our coworkers, our friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Before you walk into a hard conversation, ask yourself this question, what is my motivation? Mm-hmm. And this is a great way to sort of search your own heart, mm-hmm. because if you have self-serving motives, or if you're coming at it in an effort to fix your partner, right? or if you haven't tried to see his or her side of things and activate compassion, then I just don't think you're going to get very far. No, and I... it'll be something you you go in with without your tool belt, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you're just going to kind of get what you get. Mm-hmm. So I think as much as you're able, try to make sure that your motivations really are pure, because mm-hmm. I think that's our responsibility. That's way we can we can keep our side of the street clean mm-hmm. by saying, you know, am I wanting to go in to just like harp on my spouse? Right. Yeah. A similar question to that, what's your motivation is also what's your objective? Yes. So I think both of those go, go hand in hand. Yeah, so that's good. Kind of have that in your head before you even get started. Yeah. What's my motivation? Because usually we know before we have the conversation that we're going to get into a hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, sometimes hard conversations just spontaneously happen. You know, you're talking about something, somebody gets triggered, and boom, you're in like this. Like that happened to you and me yesterday, Brett. We were having breakfast somewhere. Uh-oh. And we were talking, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to spill the beans here, but we were having a conversation about oh, something yeah. that was pretty uh, benign. Oh, yeah. And suddenly we had there was a little trigger thing, and then we were sort of both feeling kind of defensive and da da da. We had to talk that through. So, yes, hard conversations can happen out of nowhere. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> but we're talking about when you know you've got to have a hard conversation. Right. right. And th- these are some things that are helpful. Okay. So, one is manage your expectations going in. That's very key. I think it's that's something that's a phrase you say all the time, Brett. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really important. It's just important to manage your expectations in marriage all the time, but mm-hmm. particularly in these hard conversations. You don't want to enter into a conversation having a predetermined outcome in your mind. And mm-hmm. if that outcome doesn't happen, then it's a total bust. Yeah. I, yeah. I think if you... things may not go exactly the way you would want them to go, but that doesn't mean it's not productive. Yeah. Like if you go in with having a win in mind mm-hmm. and what that's going to look like, that's... That's okay, but the win might look differently than what you're picturing. Mm, that's a good way of saying it. You know, so your partner, you've got to remember that your partner has an equal voice in this conversation, mm-hmm. and you might be pleasantly surprised, and the two of you might find a synergy or a creative solution that you hadn't even thought of yet. Ooh. You know, so just synergy. Uh, understand that it can go differently than what you think it might go, and right. your win might end up looking a little different. Yeah, something completely different. Yeah. Next thing is accept that it might be a stressful conversation, but remain optimistic. If it's a hard conversation, it probably is going to be a stressful conversation. So when we go into a conversation, I think assuming that it's going to be a disaster and it's going to go bad, it's it probably will. Mm -hmm. Give your spouse the benefit of the doubt, to quote Medea, that he or she might actually show up for you in a big way. Be optimistic. You might be surprised. You might be totally surprised. You might not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, it it still might go badly, but if you go in thinking it's going to go badly, the chances are it probably will. That's good. 
So here's something I think is really helpful is to avoid saying things like we need to talk or we have to talk. Uh And here's where I go back to John Gottman's research where he talks about the harsh startup idea and how most of most times when we start a conversation with an either a negative bent or a harsh startup, the conversation ends up going poorly. Yeah, we need to talk or we have to talk. It's not really harsh, but it's very loaded. It's loaded. And it means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And most of us, if we're honest, when we hear someone say we need to talk, that automatically sounds like this is something bad. Here it comes. Something negative. I'm in trouble. Something ominous. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, maybe change your phrasing and say something like, you know, I've been thinking about this or what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Or I'd really love to hear your thoughts about this. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea just you, just reframing that just a little bit might actually open up your partner mm-hmm. to where we need to talk might shut them down. Yeah. So bo- bonus points would be if you can go in and make make it clear that your feelings are your point of view that's at is- issue. In other mm-hmm. words. To say to someone, I'd like to talk about the fact that we're not having enough sex. Mm-hmm. That's really loaded. And you're turning something into a fact that may be just your opinion. Hmm. You might want to say, I'd like to discuss my feelings about how often we're having sex. I'd like to discuss Brett, my... shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you always do this? <laughs> it's like a comedy trigger for you. I was just trying to make you laugh. <laughs> Because I like to hear you laugh. <laughs> the bottom line here is, Mr. Hurst, is that when we t- when we make something sound like a fact, mm-hmm. then rather than coming at it with, this is how I feel about right. this. When I say this is how I feel about this, it's kind of hard to argue that. Right. I mean, there are some people who will foolishly try to argue, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Right. That's not helpful. We've talked about that a million times. Can't help how you feel. Yeah. But when I come at it and say, hey, we don't have enough sex, boom, it's mm-hmm. a fact. Right. Well, I've just shut down how you feel about yeah, where that. Where do you go from there? Yeah. It's like you're either right or you're wrong. Huh? Yeah. So that's that's something to consider. Okay. okay. Here's, I think, the biggest thing. If you hear nothing out of today's show, I think this is the biggest point. I'm all ears. Have regular relationship talks. Right. Have have ongoing processing time to where yes. this is the the norm, not the abnormal. Exactly. One way to make hard conversations a lot less scary is to be talking about your relationship on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Have regular check-ins. We some people call them FaceTime. Some people call them management meetings or even business meetings or huddles. Right. And we're not talking about obsessing about no, no, no. your relationship. We're talking about just doing it regularly and it that doesn't even take a lot a lot of time. Yeah, and and if, if you do these it all aren't the time. gripe sessions, right. these are check-ins. Like you're you're just talking about your relationship. Are we okay? How's everything feeling? How are you right now? Kind of taking your temperature on mm-hmm. it, but not coming together to just like gripe and complain. That's not at all what we're talking about. Right. The idea here is that when you have a regular tradition where you're checking in with each other and mm-hmm. you're taking care of each other's feelings, then what you're doing is you're creating a climate of goodwill so that when you do have to occasionally have the hard talk, it's way less intimidating. Hmm. 
Good. Way less intimidating. I, I found a new phrase in a book that I'm reading right now, and it's called feeling and dealing. Feeling and dealing. Well, the the book's not called that, but the phrase of just being willing to, you know, recognize what I'm feeling and then deal with it, mm-hmm. you know, process those feelings. That uh-huh. is such a huge thing in your relationships. Well, we'll have to incorporate that new phrase. Feel and deal. I like it. Um <laughs> I'm not going to comment. <laughs> don't. Just right. don't. Okay. So the next thing we want to say is do not discuss crucial issues in an email or a text. That is a good one because email is not Ugh. the way to do this. Or text. I mean, yeah. and I don't, maybe this is just to our millennial listeners. I don't, don't know. Don't say that. I, okay. I won't. Because I, I, I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying there is a whole like generation of people who've grown up with the technology of texting right. where they... They just do it so often, they think doing a hard conversation is okay to do that. I'm just a big believer that face-to-face conversations are so much better. Yeah, and I think what you were just referring to is we've known, we have known so many young individuals that have broken up over yeah, text. broken up over text. And that's not a good thing. Yeah, but when you have a face-to-face conversation, you bring all of the nonverbals into the space. Mm -hmm. There's far less chance of misunderstanding one another Mm -hmm. when you're face to face, because when you only have the the limited words on a screen, that's just such a small part of the conversation package. Right. And if you're having a hard conversation, I want to hear the nuance in your voice. Mm -hmm. I want to hear the, I want to see the look on your face because then I can mirror those things and I can show up for you. If I'm if I'm sensitive, you know, and then you've got the added pressure of if someone doesn't text you right back, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh my gosh, I've right. made them mad, you know. What did that mean? Yeah, I just right. think that can create so many more issues. Okay. So that's that's, good. that's another thing. Okay. All right. The other thing I think is to not do a bait and switch. Okay. <laughs> this is key. Do not invite your spouse out to the movies for a date night. Oh, yeah. And then say, we have to talk, you know, because now you're just manipulating your spouse and they're not going to want to go to the movies for a long time with you. They're not going to be very happy about that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you have to have a hard conversation, just be a grown up and have the hard conversation, but don't try to trick them into, you know, doing something fun. And then while we're here. I concur. (laughs) So what do you think about waiting for the appropriate time to have a hard conversation? Is this the appropriate time for me to answer? Yes, it is. Yes. No, I think it's very important to do these conversations when your spouse is, uh, well, not prepared, but uh, able to do this well. Yeah, because I think, and we've said this in past, you know, multiple podcasts before, but it's unloving and even disrespectful to think, well, I'm just going to go ahead and have this conversation because it's convenient for me to have it right now. Whether they're ready or not. Yeah. And we, we don't take in, into consideration what kind of day our spouse has just had, what might be going on with him or her mm-hmm. that might keep them from hearing us well. Right. And so I just, I love the Ephesians 429 verse, which I know we've shared in the past, but let me just read it again. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So good timing is important. Good timing is huge. I think there's another Bible verse that says you can have a perfectly worded phrase, but if the timing is off, Mm. it can be as if you've 
said the wrong thing. Right. The timing is huge. And if we, that goes back to what's my motivation. Mm -hmm. If my motivation is just to dump on my spouse. Or get this off my chest. or Then we need to really be careful because do we really want to move forward? Right. And do you want to work together Mm -hmm. or are you just trying to accomplish your own agenda? Exactly. Which is so often our problem. So I have on here too, don't trap your spouse, but this is kind of like the bait and switch thing. Don't, Try not to take advantage of a captive audience. Like I'm thinking about when you're riding in a car. Mm-hmm. You know, you're on a trip and all of a sudden, you know, he or she's not going anywhere. So I think I'll just pour out all my grievances right here. Unless they're going to climb out the window. <laughs> yeah, just try to try to not take advantage of your captive audience. Um, okay, here's a big one. I think this is really important when, and this is not just a marriage thing. I think this is is general. Leave the word but sentences out of it. So I really appreciate that you moved the furniture around, but it feels too crowded in here now. I really appreciate how hard you work, but you never come home early enough for dinner. I think we are so conditioned because all of us learned the sandwich method of positive, negative, positive. When, mm. we're, when we have to say something hard to people, right. we were taught, say something positive, then insert the the negative, then end with something positive, except we're all, we're all conditioned to do it. So you're saying don't be a but (laughs) senator. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because I think when we do that, then all the person remembers is what what the negative thing that you've said. Don't sprinkle your sentences with (laughs) but. So we know, we all know that method. We're all like, you know, clued into that. So, you know, keep, keep, the conversation, just adult, you know, keep things simple, state your concern without trying to overly protect someone's feelings. But <laughs> stop. You're right. The other one would be to show respect. Don't talk down to your spouse. Okay. Don't assume that your spouse knows what you're talking about. Right. Because I usually don't. This goes back to managing <laughs> your expectations. Don't do, and I know this is to me, Brett. To Kelly, do not do your mate's thinking for him. Because you don't want to have the entire conversation by yourself. (laughs) I know. Where you're taking both sides. (laughs) I mean, that is a temptation when you've been married a really long time, or even if you've had conversations like this in the past, and you can think to yourself, I know exactly what he's thinking. I know exactly what he's going to say. Which is always ironic because I don't even know what I'm thinking. (laughs) How do you know what I'm thinking? The other thing is to to not interrupt. You know, give your partner space to, you know, share what they're thinking, what they're feeling. So I think just the respect thing, we, we really can't go wrong when we show respect. Yep, I agree. The other thing I would say Did is... Did you to, like how I didn't interrupt you during that section? Yes, you're just brilliant. You're a brilliant co-host. <laughs> um, to watch your non-verbals. So keep, keep, keep good eye contact acknowledge what he or she is saying. Mm -hmm. And here's something important to remember. Remember that acknowledgement does not have to equal agreement. In other words, you can acknowledge what you're hearing. That doesn't mean you have to be in agreement with it. Yeah. But you're at least hearing them. Yeah. You can hear how your partner feels about something Mm -hmm. without having to go, oh, no, that's wrong. Or no, I disagree. Like, just hear them out. No, I think that's good. So I, I, we, we say this a lot in our relationship, Brett. Remember the saying, I can agree with you without being your disciple, and I can disagree with you without being your enemy. It's nothing personal. Right. You can right. just have grown-up conversations. Good. The other thing I think is 
good is to be prepared to back up your concerns with examples, to just give these kind of general things of, you know, you you spend too much money. Well, let's let's look at the budget together. What do you let's, mean by that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Keep your conversation on topic on the thing that you wish to discuss and don't let other grievances inch their way in because Good. it's really tempting when you're talking about something to go. And while we're at it, yeah. you know, but try try to avoid that. Stay focused because if you can find common ground or a way to compromise, you know, that's a win, you know, even if it looks a little different than what you're, you know, you might think, um, but just, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Productive conversations are not always about winning. In fact, they're seldom about that. Yeah. It's about understanding and working together and learning how to exchange ideas. Yeah. And connecting along the way. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Another thing is to be willing to hang it on the line. This is a phrase that you and I say a lot Mm -hmm. to each other, but also to couples, is that not every hard conversation comes to a lovely resolution. Right. Right away. It's kind of like in board meetings. Sometimes mm -hmm. you table ideas because this is not the right uh, time to solve the issue, Mm -hmm. but you've at least put it on the, uh, you've put it out into the ether to talk about it and then we'll come back to it. Right. A mature couple is willing to leave things unresolved, not forever, but for now. Okay. And I think that's a really thing, really important thing to remember. Good. And then also, I think, and I think this is the last one, is just to know when to ask for help. There is no shame in reaching out to a pastor or a counselor or a therapist for help. And if, if, if a particular conversation just continues to go nowhere, despite multiple attempts at healthy dialogue... Be willing to reach out for some good counsel or maybe a mentor couple. Yeah. You know, there's, who, no, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in asking for help. No. I mean, I, I, in fact, it's biblical. Um, you know, the Bible encourages us to reach out for wise counsel. So when we do that, we, we do both ourselves and our partners a favor by just getting some outside, you know, observation. I completely agree with you. Well, there are no winners and losers in marriage. This is love, not war. You're on the same team. You've got to remember that. Is that part of the Princess Bride speech? No, that was just from my head. (laughs) Oh, that was very good. It sounded like the marriage. (laughs) Marriage. No, I just want to remind couples that, you know, conversations are hard sometimes, but you can get through them and you can even be better on the other side of them. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. Simpson, eh? Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a topic or question you'd like to discuss on the podcast, send us an email to thehursts at homeencouragement.org, and we will do our best to get it on the air. We also hope that you'll share the love by rating this podcast on iTunes. This is a huge thing that helps us to have more visibility. Rate it way, way high. Way high. Give it, give us a five. Share the love. I'd also like to give a special shout out to our engineer and audio magician, Grant Supak. All right, Grant. Woo! Thank you, Grant, for always helping us to sound like we know what we're doing. <laughs> How does he do that? (laughs) I don't know. He's a magician. Thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.